so we've been in a series called What If? What if you changed some things in your life? What if you made some corrections in your life? What if you just made small, minor changes in your life? And I've used this example over the three weeks. You know, if I was in my car and I turned to the right just one inch, before long I'd be miles and miles away from where I'd started. And I'd be going to a different location, a different path than the one I'm on. And we all choose these things in our life by saying, what if I changed this? Or what if I did this? I've been on a diet since the first year and I don't know, I've lost my belts. I know my belt's a lot looser and I'm having to tighten it up to the last niche and I'm fixing to have to go clothes shopping because pastor decided, what if, what if I changed my diet? What, what if we change some things in our life? And, and so I, I'm challenging you while we're fasting and we're praying, what if you begin to pray? What if you begin to fast with us? What if you started giving? What, what if, what if you changed some habits in your life for your children and for your family? What if you paid off some bills? Last week we talked about, as a Christian, we don't serve money. We serve God, and money serves us as we serve God. And we talked about budgeting. I remember being in that phase and, and, and the bills piling up and it's so easy just to take a credit card and because somebody said you could, you could pay for it even though you knew you couldn't and just swipe it just to get out of trouble. And we, we talked about how we talked about how in Proverbs 22, 7 it says the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. And that same word servant means slave. And so, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a slave. You ever seen a rich person that was a slave? No. No, and, and we talked about how in the scripture it says God gives you the ability to obtain wealth. Well, obtain means that you can have it, but there's some what-ifs in your life, some stuff in your life you've got to change in order to get there. You have the ability, it's just whether you can... You can harness that ability, and you can, you can have self-control in your life, and you can pay off that debt. Anybody here that listened to the message last week been looking for $200? Anybody here? I, I'm telling you, it, it works. You, you, just, you start paying it off, and you pay off one bill, and then you apply that bill to another bill, and you keep paying them off and paying them off and paying them off. And before you know it, you're out of debt. And, and so my family and I have worked real hard over the last couple of years to do that. And it, it's a struggle. I'm going to tell you, when you got kids and stuff, it's hard to get out of debt. But, man, how free it feels once you do it. How good it feels not to be a slave to the, to the lender. And you say, well, I'm not a slave. But yet we worry about bills. We worry about things in life. And we worry about our health. And we worry about all the little different things that are byproducts of the what ifs that we haven't changed in our life? And what if we would just change these few small things? And so this week, I'm going to talk about 
three different things, three different what-ifs. First of all, what if we prayed? And what if we fasted? We're in a fast, I challenge you. Get, get involved with it. Just give up something in your life over the next few weeks. It's very easy to do. It's not as hard as you think. It didn't kill me to give up bread for a week. In fact, up, in fact I gave up bread and, and all sugar, real sugar. Now, I ate some of that sugar-free bluebell stuff. But. Now, this week, this week I'm gonna, i got to give that up even. So I'm giving it up, but I, I'm doing it. And I challenge you, do it with me. Do it with me. Give up something for God. And you might ask, well, Pastor, what is fasting? Is it just going without food? Well, no, that's dieting or starving. It's, it's not just going without food. And, and, and there's, 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 there's more to it. Is it just done, Pastor, by monks or fanatics? No. It's refraining from food for a spiritual purpose in your life. And I don't know about you, but I just have this desire to have more of God in my life. I have a desire, what if we put God first? What if above, above and beyond everything else, we made Him first? First thing in the morning, we read our Bible and we prayed. First day of the week on Sunday, we go to church. We make it His day. We make it a priority in our life. Wow, the blessings that could come from all of this. I believe there's divine favor on my life as well as yours that God has waiting for you. But he's waiting for you. He's waiting on you. And the question is, can you change a little, couple little what-ifs in your life and just make it, baby, honey, what if as a family we prayed and fasted? What could we see different I forgot to mention something. I'm going to show a picture real quick. Sorry if I get sidetracked on a rabbit trail for a second. Throw, th throw that graphic up for me. I'm very proud of this as a dad. Class of 2019 top tight end rankings. Number nine in the state. You can take it down. I, I believe that favor goes everywhere that I go. I believe there's a reason God sent me to Angleton. Not only was it for me, not only was it for you, not only was it for this church, but it was for my boys because God orders my footsteps. What if we did something different and God ordered every footstep that we take? I promise you, the last school we were at where I was preaching, he wouldn't have been number nine. He wouldn't even have got recognized. But God orders everything about your life. He has great things in that path waiting for you. Waiting for you. Waiting for you to change just a few things. Waiting for you to say, what if we prayed and fasted? What if we gave? What if we, we, we locked in with this church and we became a part? What if we saw a homeless person and we changed their life? What if? Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, how do we make our bodies a living sacrifice? Fasting is one of those ways. We, we make our body, we, we sacrifice what's going into our body so that we can hear from God clearer. So that, so that we, can, we can be more in tune with what He's saying. 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of your God. How, how does the perfect will of God come about in your life? Through making yourself a, a sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. How do we become holy and acceptable? We pray, we fast, we meditate, we seek Him. It says when we seek God, He seeks us. I want God seeking me. I want Him walking with me. I, I just do. I, I've been passionate about this since I was little. Maybe, it's, maybe that's why I'm a pastor. And, and maybe you say, well, I just don't have that fire. Pray and fast. See if it doesn't hit you. See, see if when you hear the voice of God, if it doesn't change your life forever. And, and you get into His Word and you start reading about the benefits of being a child of God. It changes everything. Fasting keeps you sensitive to His Spirit, enabling you to live holy. Fasting just does. It allows you to hear clearer. It allows you to prove or discover His perfect will for your life. In fact, Paul in Romans 9 was fasting when God shared the assignment for his life. Peter was fasting on the rooftop when God gave him a new revelation and called him to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Fasting changed their life. Another thing is fasting prepares the way for God to give you fresh revelation in your life. In Joel 2, 28-29, and I love this verse, it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards, think about that word, afterwards, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Well, that word afterwards in there, it shall come to pass afterwards. After what? Wait, I hear pastors quote this scripture all the time across the nation. And we're just believing God for his spirit to fall and for the young men to have visions and the old men to dream dreams. But when does that come? We have to go to verse 15 where it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and consecrate a fast. It comes after we fast. It comes after we pray. It comes after we seek him diligently and we put him first in our life. That's when these things happen. That's when you get revelation from God. He wants to, He promised in this scripture to jo, in Joel, He promises to pour out revival on their land. I hear people every day say, I want revival. But are, are you willing to pay the price for revival? Are you, are you willing to say, God, I want revival? And God's saying, What if you prayed and fasted? What if you did these two things? In fact, Jesus made this statement. He said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. And, and this, this, this phrase he, he makes to the Pharisees, it was just after he told the Pharisees his disciples would fast once he was gone. Fasting prepares you for new wine. It prepares, it prepares you for new miracles. It prepares you for a new closeness with God. That's what it does afterwards. I don't know about you, but I'm, so, I'm ready for some of those afterward moments in my life. I, I'm ready for some of, the, some of those afterward moments when, 
when the Spirit of God falls and, and, and when, when, when people start seeing visions and having dreams and, and, and the Spirit of God falls on everyone. I, I'm ready for those afterward moments. But there has to be a beforehand. There has to be something that happens in our lives before God does that. And like I said, He's just waiting. Fasting prepares you for a new anointing. It, it prepares you for all of these things. In fact, in Psalms 42, 7, it says, Deep calls unto deep. And, and the reason I use that scripture, I'm using it a little bit out of context here. Deep calls unto deep. Sometimes you've got to put on your big boy pants and dive into the water to go deep. You ever climb up a ladder and you get a little scared? And you say, man, it's going to take faith for me to jump off of this. I remember as a kid, there was a, a area pool there in Nederland at the Nederland Rec Center. Right behind it was the Nederland Pool. And, and they had this 12-foot high high dive. And I mean, you just, whoever jumped off of it was just a cool kid. You just went, you'd watch these kids and they'd get halfway up the ladder and they'd freeze. And they'd look down. Sometimes we just don't need to look down. The, the higher you go, the deeper you can dive. And, and sometimes if you want to dive into God a little bit deeper, sometimes you got to go a little higher. you got to put your faith a little more out there. Sometimes it's a little scary. Sometimes it don't always look like fun. But, but when you dive in deep, that's when the real fun begins. That's when God starts opening doors in your life and answering prayers in your life. In fact, in the Beatitudes, and especially... Uh, Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples, which he devoted a lot of time to discipling. That's why they're called disciples and ministering to. And, and he, he gives them a pattern in the Beatitudes of three specific duties of a Christian. Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Three things he says in the scripture. And he made it clear that fasting, like giving and praying, are a normal part of Christian life. I say, well, pastor, I've never fasted before. It just, it scares me. It's really not that scary. It's not that scary to go without food for five or six or seven days. Just do two days, warm up. Give yourself a little break, then do a bigger fast. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to hurt you. See a doctor before you do it if you Fasting opens doors in your life. It changes something. In fact, health professionals have proved those that fast are healthier. In fact, my doctor told me this week, he wants, he's thinking about taking me off my blood pressure medicine altogether. Because I've been praying, God, heal those things in my life. I want to be healthy. I don't want to be on medication every day. And so I've, I've tried real hard to change my life, and I'm doing it, praise God. Because I decided that i got to practice what I preach. And what if I went on a diet? What if I look good and Pastor Jennifer chased me around the room? <laughs> life is good, praise God. In Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, you can take a single cord, and it has a little bit of strength, but when you braid it together, and you make it a threefold cord, it becomes super, super strong. 
And, and this happens with anything in life. You can take a rope, you can take a string, anything you braid together in a threefold cord becomes stronger. And, and I believe this works with different practices. Like Jesus said, when we give, when we pray, when we fast, I believe when we wrap the three of those together, it becomes a cord in our life, and it, it, it starts breaking things in our life, and it becomes stronger in our life, and, and we, become, we become closer to God like never before when we combine those things. In fact, in Mark 4, 19, Jesus said this, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. We talked about the worries, worries of life over the last couple weeks with finances and being a slave. And, and you just worry about how I'm going to pay the next bill. And, and Jesus said the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, it chokes out the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word. They accept it and they produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. Mark 4, 8 says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Some, we see it again, multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. I thought, well, what's the difference in the seed? How come some 30, some 60, some 100? I don't know about you, but I want my seed to be a 100-fold return. I don't want just a 30 or a 60. I want the full 100. You know, I go for the gusto in life. If I'm in a car bed, I don't want to do 30 or 60. I want to do 100. And uh, that's just how life is. And uh, my boy got a Mustang, and I've almost got a ticket because of it. But Jesus speaks in this passage of a huge return. I believe sometimes we just pray in life. and We just pray, and God gives us that 30-fold return. And then there's other times where we just... We just give, and God gives us a 30-fold return. And sometimes we just fast, and there's a 30-fold. Or sometimes we might even pray and fast, and then all of a sudden there's a multiplication factor that happens, and we get like a two-fold cord, and, and it becomes stronger, and all of a sudden we get a 60-time blessing. And then sometimes we pray, we fast, and we give, and, and we wrap all three together like that cord and become super strong. And then there's a multiplication factor of our time with God and how we seek Him and how we spend time with Him and, and, and the sacrifice of ourself to Him, and, and things become stronger. That's why we fast the first month of the year, because I want to give the first month as a church to Jesus. I want to give 21 days of nonstop prayer and fasting straight to Him, because there's things in this church that I want Him to do been around me long, every Sunday you hear me pray, Father, what you want to do in a church, do it in this church. What you want to do it in a people, do it in our people. That's my life. I pray that for you every single day. And I want the blessings of God on this house. That's why we give the first month to him. That's why during the middle of summer, we, we, we pray for 21 more days. It's because we want to we want to close out the year strong. We want to put him first in everything we do. Matthew 6:33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Every single thing. But we have to put him first in every area of our life. God has to be first. This includes our finances. This includes everything we do. That's why we've been doing this what if series. I want to set you up to win. It's not about me. It's not about benefiting the church. This is about 
benefiting you is why I'm preaching this message. Because I want you to be successful in life. I want you to get a hundredfold return. I don't want you to have to settle for 30 or 60. I want you to, to maximize what God has for you in your life. In Leviticus 27:30, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. A tithe is 10%. Well, why did God choose 10%, Pastor? Well, he wanted to make it an equal playing field, equal all the way across the board. That that the guy who makes $100,000 gives the same percentage as the guy that makes $5. It's all the same. God makes an equal playing field. And and we say, well, you know, the, the giving thing is tough. I'd say I know it is. But it's not always easy to sacrifice for God. God wanted it to cost you something so that he could open things up in your life. Pastor Jen, you got that $100? Kobe's got my $100. Bring it here, Kobe. Bring me $100. Now, his mom and I gave this to him before service. He wasn't getting to keep it. Bring me my $100. Give me my $100. This one, the boy's hundred dollars. It was mine. My hundred dollars. I'm keeping. I was gonna get Jan to bring me a hundred again this week, and then I was gonna say, "Man, we need to go two or three services." <laughs> but but this my hundred dollars. Mine, all mine. It belonged to the father, not 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 at one of his sons. That's who it belonged to. See, God, God's not like that, though. You see, if I was God, I'd have gave him the $100 and just asked for 10 back. That's what I would have done. I'd, I'd have gave him, I gave him 100 bucks and just said, give me 10 back. That's a tithe. Just give me $10 back. Sorry, Kobe, I'm not God. <laughs> but but we, we get so caught up in giving and in giving, but I want to tell you this today. I want this to get in your mind that tithing is not giving. It's not. It really isn't. We, we, we call it giving. The Bible calls it giving. But when you really think about it, tithing is returning. It never belonged to you anyway. It was all God's. He gave it all to you. He's just asking you to be faithful enough to give 10% back. That's all he's doing. He's asking for you to return it. It's not technically giving. You can't give what isn't yours. God said the 10%, the tithe belongs to him. If it belongs to him, it never was yours. He knew you were going to get paid. He knew what your checks were going to be before you were ever born. And he said, I'm going to see if they can be faithful. He said, I'm going to see if, they, if I can trust them to trust me. See, the deal is it's all about trusting God. There's not a pure form of worship than tithing. Because we have to give something that's ours to Him. It's, it's a form of sacrifice. We sacrifice of ourselves to give to Him. And it becomes part of that threefold cord that I was talking about. Tithing is giving God my first and my best so He can bless the rest. Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. 
with your wealth and the first fruit of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Well, why should we tithe? Well, tithing provides for God's work through the church. It does. The church of which he died for, the, the, the God loves his church, his bride. And Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Storehouse is an example of the New Testament church. Tithing teaches us to put God first in our life. That's what we're talking about today. If you, if you don't tithe, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. I promise you. I'm going to love you and pastor you the same. That's my oath to you. I don't care if you give a dime in the offering. I'm here for you. I'm here to serve you and to love you as your pastor. I'm just telling you how to open the windows of heaven in your life. That, that's all I'm doing. I'm just telling you how, how to get the blessings of God in your life. Tithing teaches us to put God first. Uh, Deuteronomy 14.23, it says, The purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God where? First in your life. That's right. We got to seek God, we have to put Him first. We seek Him in the first in the morning. We seek Him first day of the week. We fast the first month of the year. It requires faith to give to God first. It does. It requires faith. If I wait till all my bills are paid to give God His, his that ain't take no faith. It took me faith to write that check before all my bills were paid. God says, when I do that, He'll make the 90% go further, and He'll cover me. He'll bless me. He'll take care of me. In fact, it says in the Word of God, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It all boils back to where's your faith level in Christ? It does. I know this is a hard message. It's one pastors really don't like to preach. But I want the blessings of God in your life. That's why I'm speaking it today. It's not because I want more money in the offering plate. My salary is going to stay the same all year long, no matter how much comes in. and, and And God provides for me and my family, so I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is that your family is blessed. Your family is taken care of. Your family operates at a higher level. That's that's where I want you to be. You say, well, Pastor, you don't get it. To tithe, I'd have to make major changes. Yes, you would. You'd have to make major changes. You'd have to rearrange some stuff and make sure that God was first in your life. you say, well, it would be a real sacrifice. Well, it's always a sacrifice to put God first in our life. It's a sacrifice when I wake up in the morning to read my Bible instead of turning on the news. It's a, it's a sacrifice to pray first thing in the morning. It, it's a sacrifice, but we, we do those things to put Him first so that God is with us. God is walking with us. He's talking with us. He's moving with us. Because I'm in a covenant with him. And the key to covenant, like we talked about earlier last year, is covenant equals sacrifice. Do you want to be in a covenant with God? Now Romans 10 says everyone that calls on his name is saved. I know that. And you're saved. But there's there's more to just being saved than than saying a one-time prayer. It's every morning putting in first, Jesus, I made you Lord of my life today. That's how I know I'm saved. I make him Lord of my life every single day. John 10, 27 says this, My sheep listen to his voice, and I know them, 
and they follow. This is God's word, God's voice I'm speaking out today. It says, I know their, they know my voice and they follow me. This is about following him. This is about getting closer to him. Well, so, Pastor, I never realized that that was God's money, stealing, and I was stealing from, from God's house when I didn't give him his money. It's okay. God will forgive you. God will let you move on. It's, it's, about, it's not about the past. It's about your future with him. That's what I'm talking about today. You ever wonder why your cars broke down and, and just things aren't going your way? You might not have supernatural blessings on your finances. You say, well, my, my, my car's been broke down. Yeah? Well, according to God's word, that your car is cursed because you took God's money and paid your car note instead of giving it to him. I'm just being real today. Is that okay? Can I be real? I'm preaching good. Malachi 3, 8, 9 puts it like this. Will a man rob God? And he said, yet you robbed me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. He said, you're under a curse. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. He said, you're taking what belongs to me. And because of it, you're cursed. I don't want to operate in a curse in my life. You say, well, pastor, that's Old Testament. The tithe is the law. No, it's not the law. It predates the law by hundreds of years. It's in the Bible. Just read it, I promise you. It's hundreds of years before the law ever came about. Well, you might say, well, the tithe is, is not New Testament. It's only the Old Testament. I'll say, no, that's not right either. Matthew 23, 23 says, what sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now, look here. This is Jesus. He said, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. In other words, the tithe is a starting place. He said, you ought to automatically do this. You ought to automatically tithe, but you, you, there's more important things you need to be to, doing too. You, you, you need to give in the offering. You, you, need to, you need to, don't forget about the orphan. Don't forget about the widow. Don't forget about the, the man underneath the underpass. He's saying all that, but he says, he said, don't forget about the more important things, but tithing has got to be a starting place in your relationship with God. That's what he's saying. Tithe is a starting place of obedience. Jesus always took the Old Testament up a notch. The Old Testament says, don't murder. Jesus says, don't even hate. The Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. Jesus says, don't even lust. The Old Testament says tithe. Jesus says it's all mine. Give me everything you've got. Give me your whole life. Make it all available. Take up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus says. Tithing builds faith in God. My soul, pastor, my faith in God is not strong. I'm trying to fix that right now. Are you tithing? It builds your faith in God. It builds your faith in Him. It doesn't say where your heart is, your treasure will be also. It says where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Pastors misquote that all the time. So in other words, if you want your heart to be in the house of God, put your treasure in the house of God. 
I talked about this a couple years ago. If, if you give your treasure to the stock market, watch your heart follow it. I guarantee you, you're going to check those stock prices every day. My, Walmart, my, my grandma worked for Walmart all of her life. And she had profit sharing. She had stock. She put $10,000 of her own money in stock over 20-something years. And that's back then when the stock was doubling and tripling and splitting and doing all that stuff. And when, when she was retired, she had 200 some thousand dollars of the Walmart stock. And every morning, every morning if I walked into her house, because I moved her beside me after she retired, when we were taking care of her, Every morning, I'd walk in there, and she'd have her paper, or, or she'd have the TV on on the Dow, and she was walk, watching that Walmart stock. Because I think it might split again, right? I think it might split again. I'm just praying. <laughs> she loved her Walmart stock. She invested. God multiplied and blessed her. Malachi 3.10, we'll read it again. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And he says this, he said, and the Lord says, and try, same word as test. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be no room enough to receive it. And then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Brandon tells a story, our pastor in Deerland, he had this dog, still has that dog. And it was a puppy, and they nicknamed it the devourer. Every time they set down a pair of shoes, it devoured it. Every time it got its jaws on something, it devoured it. And it chewed up everything they had in their house. And he said, this dog is just like the devil. He's the devourer. The devourer is looking for those who don't have an open heaven over their life. The devourer is looking for those that don't have the blessings of God on their life. I don't know about you, but I want, I want something that separates me from him. I want something that, 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 God, that God gives me that keeps him out of my life, out of my family, out of my way. Now, I still run into him head first, first thing in the morning. Lester Summerall used to say, if you don't run to the devil first thing in the morning, you might be going the same direction. I still, I still run into him all the time. But, but I want that extra hedge. I want that extra protection. I want that extra blessing and favor of God on my kids and on my life. Josh, come up here real quick. Rick's going to come up and help him. a window here and in our lives we have a window that between us and heaven there is there's a, there's a window it's there it's in the word and and, and we seem like hold up higher guys and, and we pray in fact let's hold it up here and hold it at angle I'm going to make your arms stretch today 
and we, we hold it and we say, God, I'm praying for my family today. And then we, we, we say, God, I need, I need a new job today. God, my finances are in ruins. And we, we, we put it all up there. God, my marriage is in shambles. I need you to help me. And God's on the other side of this window, but it just seems like stuff's not going through the window. It's not making it to heaven. And God, I got addictions in my life that I want to get rid of. And God, my health's not that good these days. I need, I need my health to be fixed. And, and, and we think of God as this big guy with a baseball bat. We do, and it's like Alfalfa on the Little Rascals when he walks outside and he says, And the sky opened, and the Lord said, Alfalfa, I hate you. But that's not what the baseball bat's for. God's standing there waiting to smash things out of your life. He's, he's waiting to break windows open for you in your life. He's just waiting for you to be obedient. Hand me a, hand me a tie of the envelope, somebody. He's just waiting for us to pray and, and to fast and just to believe Him. Bring me a bucket from back there, Tommy. He's, he's just waiting for my, my faithfulness. He's just waiting for something to break in my life. And, and He wants to break it. He wants to break down those walls like I talked about the first Sunday. When they marched around the city seven times with seven trumpets, they had to shout first before the walls would come down. Sometimes there's got to be action before the walls fall in your life. And, and God's just waiting for you to be obedient and say, I put you first. He wants to break all the things out of your life that you've been, you've been wanting and you've been holding back. He's just waiting for you to say, my child, put me first. See me first. I just want to be first in your life. All the principles, all the promises, I want them unlocked in my life. You're good. Thank you. That's what he wants for us. He wants to break the windows open. He wants to open the windows of heaven over your life so that he can pour out blessing upon you after blessing after blessing. He's just waiting on you. Let's stand and pray. Father, I thank you for this illustration today. I thank you, Father, that you're just waiting on us to be obedient. You're just waiting on us to put you first in every area of our lives. You're waiting on us to say yes. You're waiting on us to just grab our partner or grab our, grab our kids and say, kids, we're going to put God first in our life. Baby, we're going to put God first before anything else. We're going to put him first in our life. We're, gonna, we're not going to wait to the end of the month to write the check. We're going to write it first. God will forgive us of all of our past discretion. There's no sin in the world that is more powerful than the cross. It's more powerful than anything that can happen in our lives. But just like in Romans 10, 13, we have to call on his name. We have to admit we're sinners. We have to believe he died and he rose again. And we have to confess our sins.